Hello, welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today's show, I have Andrew Butt, co-founder and CEO of Enable. Enable is a platform for managing B2B rebates, and this is a problem that exists at scale, which you're about to hear about. And with that, here's my interview with Andrew. Andrew, thanks for taking the time today. Great to be here, Jason. Thanks for having me. So Andrew Butt of Enable. Tell us about Enable. So Enable is a platform in the cloud, which really helps everyone in the supply chain, whether that be manufacturers, distributors, retailers, to work together collaboratively on their trading agreements. Excellent. So I described you as a company that basically enables rebates, which we'll get into in a second. And it led to a scale issue. And I think you already started touching upon it. So I'm looking forward to getting into that one. But tell us about the history of Enable. How did it come to be? Cool. So my background was always in building software, building computer applications. And so I built lots of things for lots of people and really learned about this, this problem uh, from a distributor, which was the fastest growing distributor in the UK. And they had these complicated trading programs with their manufacturers and with their customers where they had certain goals to hit and then were rewarded in the form of rebates when they achieved those goals. And it was it was so complex, it couldn't fit into an ERP system and they built it all in Excel spreadsheets, which seemed, seemed amazing because it was becoming all of the profitability for the company. So that's kind of as I or how I found out about it and led to the inspiration for, for the whole Enable journey. Excellent. So... Yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's go into how the rebating system works because this actually is way more common than people think it is. Everything from cars to diapers, quite honestly. So tell me about how this works in the global supply chain. Absolutely. So what happens is manufacturers will agree pricing with their distributors and contractors and everyone in the supply chain that is going to use their products. But then in addition to that standard pricing, they will also agree different forms of rebates. And a rebate is simply money that comes back later. So you and I might buy products and pay, you know, whatever the price is, but then we we might receive rebates later down the line. And they are tied to many, many different things. Typically, it's to do with volume. So if you buy a certain quantity of a certain product, you will then receive a rebate, but you will only receive it if you hit that quantity. That's the whole point. It's kind of driving that behavior and rewarding you to perform certain behavior. And then there's a million different permutations of what that behavior could be. But, but you know, that would be maybe the most, the most simple. Yeah. And it's, you know, these rebates are so substantial, quite honestly, that some business models are built around just hitting them. They might be selling the actual product pretty close to cost of distribution, and the profit could entirely be just the rebate. So this is not a small issue. That's right. And even even more than that, they could be selling it below cost. So there are many, many cases where they're selling it below cost, and then they're claiming back the entire margin and more than the whole margin, if you like, in the form of rebates. Yeah, I mentioned cars earlier. I mean, for anyone who's a student up, they can typically find, depending on the country. And then what happens is, is that they might be selling at break-even at a loss or pretty close to it knowing full well that they're just pushing volume. If they push enough volume, they're going to get a big incentive in the end. And it makes sense because at the end of the day, the volume for the manufacturer is what matters, right? So they really don't care. They care to some degree how much you make off it, of course. But if you're going to buy a big, much bigger portion of their volume, they're going to incentivize you for it. That's right, exactly. And there will be um, different reasons why they want uh, manufacturers want to incentivize certain behaviors. And 
One might be volume, like you just said, and you're absolutely right that manufacturers get a lot more efficiency when they've got factories that are full, you know, producing a certain product. Another reason could be launching a new product in the market where they've they've got this new product and they're trying to actually change behavior to to get people to try the new product and they might offer a, a, a more attractive rebate program for that. And and again, you know, other other combinations yeah. thereof. Inventory management, right? They have too much of something stocking up, offer the rebate, it's better to get it out there at a lower margin, giving back the rebate than it is to actually have it sit there on your shelves. So it makes sense across the board. Same reason that coupons get sent to to consumers or sales happen. It's basically all about just making sure that the supply chain doesn't backlog because inventory costs everybody, right? It does. It does. And there's a big loyalty element as well. So when you think about programs that you and I might be in, maybe we have air miles with a particular airline or we go to what it might be Starbucks or Costa or some other, you know, partly because there's that loyalty program in place and we're earning towards our next kind of tier. And it, it then does drive that, that loyalty. Yeah. So, so let's talk about this. So do you have any idea how much of these rebates make up corporate profits in general? Or is there like any kind of benchmark number we can, we can point to? Yeah, I mean, what I would say is, first of all, more than 75% of global trade goes through uh, kind of distributors and through mm -hmm. trading partners. And rebates are used in the vast majority of cases. So that's one thing I could say. Another would be that for distributors, the average that we found, and bearing in mind that we're looking at the data of tens of thousands of companies now is around 100% of the profit. So, you know, it could be only 25% or it could be 400%. It does vary. But on average, it's hovering around 100% of profit. And then the wow. other thing is that for manufacturers, this is this is normally the number one cost item. So on their entire P&L, the rebates they pay in different forms are the biggest cost. Wow, the incentive alone, that is not overly, I mean, it's a little surprising that it's almost about 100%, which is, which is crazy. Okay. So let's talk about it. This is not a small problem. This is a scale problem amongst all kinds of distribution, basically every product known to man effectively that goes through the supply chain and different levels of it. So talk to me about how the large scale ERP companies that existed out there weren't solving for this, given this isn't, this is crucial. Sure. Yeah. So some of the ERP systems do have an internal capability for sure. And others have nothing, but I'd say, you know, more, more often than not now, the good systems all have something that they've built. But first of all, it was always seen as just being kind of on the side, not, not really a huge or core business requirement, uh, which is surprising, like you say. So what that means is their capability will handle quite simple agreements, but as soon as you get into the more complex, it, it just doesn't, doesn't fit. And human nature is to create complexity. So especially in commercial teams, you know, buyers and sellers, they're always negotiating new kind of creative ways to do business. So that would be one part. But I think another part, and maybe even bigger, is that ERP systems have only ever thought of this as being within the four walls of a company. So they just think, right, we've got the finance team and there's a few people in the corner who need to calculate rebates. And that's how they address it. And what we realized is to make this effective, it needs to be collaborative. You need to have both sides of the agreement. So if you and I have a rebate agreement together, we both need to be able to track it using the same language and see where we are and, and see our performance and you know, be connected. So we saw that from the beginning and built this as a cloud native solution. And that's not something any of the ERPs have been able to do. Well, it makes perfect sense. Essentially, it gets rid of the reconciliation issue, right? Because now instead of saying, here's my numbers, and I, you know, I have plenty of friends who've been purchasers for large organizations and you know they get into conflicts with with the uh with the companies and sometimes it means that the the end retailer has to send money back to the manufacturer yes. or vice versa yeah. you know and it's it's the these conflicts some of them you know are questionable quite honestly if everybody's on the same page in a transparent platform then that eliminates the need for that conflict it does and you're right and the reconciliation 
things were a nightmare because you're guaranteed to have different data sets. You've got timing challenges where if I supply goods to you, then my my kind of my kind of uh, shipment data, if you like, might be dated differently to your goods in data. And if that then crosses over, say, a month end, then then the numbers won't make sense. So lots of challenges there on reconciliation. Oh, that's just it, right? Because it comes down to, you know, what does it look like on their system versus your system? And there's nothing in between basically saying, oh, you know, there's a handoff between the two of them. Like this got shipped here. It's the batch we're talking about, right? This is what you yes. need to push. This is what qualifies, right? So I guess everybody, that's the... God, I can't even imagine the difficulty of that. <laughs> so you're talking about doing that at scale. You're talking about, you know, let's let's just talk about the elephant in the room of every retailer, which is Walmart, right? You start to think about the scale of this at Walmart and all the all the items that they that they basically, you know, all the locations they have, all the items that they sell across the world. General may have regional contracts for certain things, and you do that math on how many vendors are involved in rebates and mm. reconciliations with them, and how many people are being employed just running this stuff? <laughs> yeah, well, and the people being employed, unfortunately, are usually crunching numbers and trying to make numbers add up and so on, they're, they're, rather than actually acting on the insight. So that's a big part of what we talk about, which is if we can automate all of that and then give you the, the, the kind of insight and allow you to then make business decisions to say, okay, based on how we're tracking on a certain product category and based on these different rebate agreements we have in place, we're now going to change some of our buying or some of our selling and get better results. You know, that's what those people could be doing if they were freed up from the mundane number crunching. Well, that's just it. It's all the, this is just like the arguments around artificial intelligence and some of the heavy lifting that it can do that frankly is not exactly the highest, best use of people's time, quite honestly. No. So, so yes, I mean, that, like I said, it's a, it's a massive scale problem, even with human beings. All right. So besides the reconciliation fault, this, which was a disaster, talk to me about how the software brings everybody to the same page and the experience that both sides experience when they go through that. Sure. So we, the way the platform works is it's, it's bi-directional. So if you've got, say, a manufacturer and a distributor, they can actually propose agreements to each other. And so let's say you, you might be the manufacturer and you say to me, I want you to focus on a particular product line. And if you can hit a million units in the next six months, I'll give you 5% rebate on, on that spend. Okay, and you can send that to me and I can then review it and accept it. Or I could actually mark it up and come back and ask for some, some changes. And, and then eventually we might agree. And then once we've agreed, then we can both actually track you know, how we're doing and uh, how close we are to hitting that goal. And then I could then send an agreement to you in parallel. So we, 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 you know, we've got that one running live in the system, but now I make a proposal to you to say, I think I could shift X quantity of this other product into this market, which I know you're trying to get into. And if I could do that, that's going to increase my cost of sale because I need to make certain investments and employ certain people. So I'd want you to give me 8% back when I hit these, these goals. And then it works in the same way. You can kind of agree, disagree, comment. So it's very much a two-way bi-directional platform where we can create, propose, agree, and then track and execute. And you know, for you as the manufacturer, you can drive your top-line revenue because you've got my attention actually making sure I'm hitting those volumes. And for me as a distributor, I can increase my margin because I can make sure I'm focusing on those products where I get the, the biggest kind of rebate margin. Excellent. And it's, uh, yeah, so again, right there, the the entire two pieces of this. First off, I'm reminded about how many promises there were that blockchain was going to solve this, but really it doesn't require a blockchain to solve it, just requires everybody to be on the same common data platform. So easy enough. 
I guess yeah. really that's how it solved, would have solved it also. But the reality is, is that, so you have that, you get everyone in the same platform agreeing, seeing it all. And the, insi- the insights thing is, is, is usually important because I think what you stated just currently, which is you know being able to drive the ones that give them the biggest rebates because that's going to increase profitability. Well, that informs everything downstream, right? Like what is it you're promoting? What is marketing working mm. on? What are the sales prices you're putting out there to get that, right? Like if it's gonna, if it's got the if it's got the fattest rebate, guess what? It can also technically have the fast fattest discount on uh, on what you're what you're pushing and selling below the cost, right? So there's all kinds of questions there. And then I have to think also from some other accounting challenges here that trickle down. I mean, first off, if you're going to sell below cost, you're floating that with working capital. So knowing mm. what, what working capital investment you're making in these product lines has got to be, yeah. must have been some dark art back in the day before you did something like this. And then the second yes. piece, it's like, got to be harder to project profitability at any given period unless you're on top of this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we certainly see a lot of companies where they're kind of really in a mad rush at the end of the month, for example, to try and work out all of their rebate claims. And they'll kind of say on a day after the month ends, great news, we've made we've made $100,000 of profit last month. And then the next day, it's like, oh, actually, no, so we, we, we actually lost 200,000. And then the next day, oh, no, actually, we're good. We've made 200, you know, so it, it's, it's really difficult. And these accruals, these accounting accruals are getting to be enormous. And the stakes are very, very high. If you make a small mistake, then it's the difference between being profitable or loss making. Um, yeah. I think I'd also say, you know, you spoke about uh, about alignment in the company, and great point when you talked about pricing teams and sales teams and everyone getting aligned. This is also about alignment across the supply chain, and mm-hmm. we've talked a lot so far about trading partners working with each other, but. The whole point of that is so they can serve customers better. And this is a very effective way to get those trading partners aligned to meet the customer need of, you know, the customer wants, the customer is demanding X. Now we need to work together as trading partners to meet that customer need and share the the kind of margin and share the reward between us if we can do that. So alignment is a big thing here. Interesting. I mean, it's it's fascinating to think that like in a lot of ways, it's just like, the kind of and these are contracts that are variable, right? They're not fixed. You know, in a lot of ways, they can come, they can basically change the change the rate on an ongoing basis with notice. Correct? Oh yes, yeah, very dynamic. So some of them might be, say, a twelve month agreement, but they could be changed, of course. But others will be literally a week to week, or or uh, you know, there might be a say a one month agreement, and they might change where new products are added in or removed, or the tiers are changed. So it's, it's it really is a dynamic and fast moving. Space. So are they are they using utilizing your platform to? I mean, like these are all contracts, right? I have to think at some point it just becomes like, hey, we're not going to bother with that. We're just going to have an agreement. There's going to be rebates, and you're going to push the rebate information through your platform, and we'll make decisions mm. on our end based on that. Like, is that is that something you're starting to see happen, or is that something you think will happen? Well, certainly the agreements are becoming a lot more surgical and a lot more a lot more dynamic. So you're right. It used to be, say, a contract, which would be an annual contract, and that would be it, and it wouldn't change for a year. And now there's a lot more agreements and they're, they're, they're being created and updated more frequently. They, they still are like a contract, but it just could be a short term, could be like a, a one-month contract or a two-month contract and a product-specific contract versus a contract that covers all purchases. So it's just the kind of nature of the contracts has become more dynamic. Crazy. So, um, all right. So this is how far you've gotten it thus far. Talk to me about where you see it going. Like, how do you see the product evolving and how do you see the marketplace evolving given you've been able to put people on the same page? Sure. Yeah, so I think uh, if we look at the, just sort of recapping briefly on the evolution, initially rebates were quite simple, probably an annual agreement, and you might just get, say, a 2 or 3% rebate at the end of the year. 
and that wasn't too complicated. And let's say you make a, mm-hmm. a, a gross profit of 20%, then getting an extra 2% at the end of the year is, is nice, but it won't kill you and it won't really, doesn't do that much. And it was it was manageable. Now that they are so much more dynamic and and the kind of margin mix has changed. So distributors are making a much smaller margin and a much bigger rebate, then it becomes much more critical to to manage this. And you talked earlier, Jason, about incentives. And you're right that a lot of this is about incentives, but it is more than that because it's literally just moving the margin from the kind of invoice price, if you like, to the rebate. So you're actually not just getting an incentive, but you're actually making making margin off the rebates. So what we're really doing is is continuing to expand our coverage for all the different types of agreements that exist in the supply chain. There's quite a few common ones, but also as you go deeper and you go into different industries, different types of companies, different countries, then they have all sorts of different variations and different forms. And my vocabulary still grows every every week when I meet companies. And often they're talking about the same thing and just using a different name, but there's a real need to standardize this and to yeah. define standard kind of languages and terminologies around these rebates. So we're yeah. certainly investing in expanding that coverage. And we're also really looking at how we can deliver more and more insights so our customers can drive their business performance by expanding the use of rebates. I guess it started as being like a painkiller where this was quite complicated and we were just making it a little bit easier. Whereas now the focus is how can we make this transformative and how can we help companies to use rebates as a strategy to drive their business performance? Excellent. Yeah. And again, going can go back to my idea there, like this or when I kind of stumbled upon, I mean, if they're going to standardize all this, I mean, there doesn't even have to be, you know, if I start thinking to myself, it just becomes like almost an auction marketplace, right? They could basically say, hey, this company, I'm going to offer you this rebate at this rate, except decline, right? Boom. Or basically maybe even get to the point where you're in the negotiation platform between the both of them. Yes. Yeah. And I think if you look at kind of pricing models, I always think probably the most kind of impressive in the world might be Google AdWords, where you put in your keyword and it instantly tells you what the cost is for that keyword. And that changes by the minute. And it might cost 10 cents or it might cost a thousand dollars. You know, it's very, very instant and dynamic. And on the other extreme, you've got a lot of the industries that we're in, which let's face it, are the majority of global trades. They're all of the you know physical industries. And with the pricing model there is you go into a distributor and say, I want to buy 500 of this part number. And they probably make some phone calls. <laughs> they, they call their suppliers, you know, one by one. And they say, oh, sorry, I'm getting voicemail. Let me come back to you tomorrow. And you get your kind of customized price or your, your dynamic price, maybe two or three days later. So you can imagine it's completely at the other end of the scale to say a Google AdWords model. And, and I agree with you that where we're getting to is something that's much, much faster. So it, it is really saying, okay, this is my, my demand. I, I need this product in this location, in this time frame. What's the best kind of offer I can get? Excellent. Excellent. So, I mean, it's again, following that path over that line of thinking. I think it's, uh, you're, you're cleaning up a lot of, uh, let's just call it the, um, the you know, almost like the cabling under, underneath your table that makes it look ugly. Like quite honestly, like everybody sees the stuff on the surface that works, but man, to make it work, there's so much convoluted complexity that, that you know, was waiting for something to clean it up. So uh, not surprised. So any statistics on gains of efficiency or or savings that you can share that uh, your customers can boast about when using your platform? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we on on average, and we we track this with every customer, and so we look at what revenue they were generating 
before enable and after and if they're receiving rebates then we look at you know how much they were receiving before and after and on average there's an ROI of 400% which means if if a customer signs up and they spend $100 on software then we will we will demonstrate $400 of savings in the first 12 months just through again increased revenue and increased margin so that's that that's the hard kind of dollar ROI and that's really helped us to grow enormously because the product works very well and we can put the products in place with, let's say, top 10 trading partners of a company quite quickly, show that value. And then it's highly likely that uh, that company will want to continue and roll out to all their other trading partners. I think in addition to those hard dollar benefits, there's definitely a lot of time saving. And we've seen companies that might spend, say, three weeks at the end of a month just trying to do all their accruals and forecasts and you know close the books because this is so complicated. And that can be reduced to a few hours. So in a lapse time, we're talking about weeks of savings every month. And then in man hours, depends on the size of the company, but significant. Yeah, excellent. Well, you definitely found a problem that needed fixing and you're definitely at it. So well done, Andrew. Before we end, there's three questions I ask everybody kind of on the positive note. And the first one I have for you is if there was one wish you have for something you can change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be? A change in the industry as a whole? No, in your company or the industry as a whole. In your case, it's every industry, right? I mean, I think what I've seen is that a lot of the industries we're working with, which again is physical goods and you know tangible products, there has been it has taken time to adopt cloud technology, and you know they're not as fast as say um, technology companies or or software companies, and so it, there's been reluctance to put what is really confidential contracts and all of their profitability into the cloud, and and that's changing, but we we need to push that harder. Uh, because because that's kind of holding companies back. It's holding industries back. And yeah, definitely is a constraint to growth. So strange to hear in 2023. But... <laughs> okay. okay. Got to keep on playing this game and thinking the desktop's coming back. All right. Second question is, uh, what's been the biggest challenge in getting your company to where it is today? Well, I think it's it's really all around people and and you know finding people that share this vision and see the importance of this and then are kind of really willing to rise to the challenge because in any fast growing company it is it is hard and we're still you know we're growing and we're we're now becoming more known but we're still a relatively small company and we're selling again to companies that are not necessarily leading edge adopters of technology so i think finding and scaling that kind of talent and and finding people that are willing to put the work in has been been a big challenge yeah, that never never underestimate the power of momentum. And I'll also say, I'm sure that the, more than once you encountered something like, oh, great, you know what? I'll, that's a great problem. I, I didn't realize we had that. Let me put you in touch with the people who are handling it now. It's like the death blow. Like those people are the ones like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell them to hire you and replace my job. Give me a break. <laughs> so um, so yeah, momentum can be a powerful thing. And the last question I have for you is, what's exciting you about what it is you're working on and keeps you waking up in the early morning to fight the good fight and move forward on this? Yeah, I think the the most exciting thing for me is to see how we're going from being a piece of software. Uh, into an actual network, and what that really means is we, we we're moving from a business where we would we would be providing software to companies that had to kind of load the software themselves with all their data and and set up all of their trading partners one by one to now something where we've got so many trading partners already on the platform, we've got so much data already on the platform, mm -hmm. they can get value out of the box and it becomes a real kind of network effect of, of every time you add the next company, then it's easier to add the next company. So as we transition to that kind of network model, the future is is bright and there's a huge opportunity ahead. Look at that. You're, uh, which is the, what was the law and whose law was it? The value of a network is uh, N squared. Oh boy. 
I also cannot recall the name. I've, I've got it noted down somewhere. But, yeah, uh, there you go. It's Metcalf's Law. It states the value it. of the telecommunication is proportional to the square of number of connected users. Absolutely. Yeah. So Exactly yeah, the same being able to save Exactly. Well, I mean, like, hey, what do you mean? You already have 75% of my vendors in there. Great, I'll join up. And then boom, now... Oh look, you know that's more valuable to everybody in the network. Yeah, no, yeah. it's uh, it's a great, great network play. Well done, Andrew. Thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Jason. It's great to be here. So that was Andrew Butt, co-founder and CEO of Enable. If you enjoyed that podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, where else you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.